your case match? It seems, I mean, it's something you would do, but yeah. All right. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Everybody have their handouts? Everybody ready for this? I think I'm ready. I was um, was in my shop yesterday, and I haven't been there in a long time because our garage is just full of junk. It's good junk. I mean, stuff that we've collected over many, many years. Our bicycles are in there. We have the old um, dishwasher because we replaced ours because of the of the flood in our kitchen. Um, but the old ones, it's a good, my, it's a good dishwasher. So I thought maybe I'll bring it to the church, but it's just sitting in my garage right now. Um, there's just all these woodworking tools and things that, that we're getting from, from Nanny's house, um, you know, because she wanted us to have her thing. So we've got a lot of stuff in there now. Um, her grandfather's, Kelly's grandfather's clock. It's her grandfather's grandfather clock that's in there. Um, and, and so yesterday I, I had the opportunity to go pick it up and bring it. And because Levi was asleep, I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll clean. I'll come in here and I'll try to organize and clean a little bit. And so I, I did so. And about an hour or two before pastor had texted and said, I need you to speak. I'm, I'm feeling better, but I don't want to get anybody sick. So, you know, please go in there and just prepare to speak for me. I was like, okay, I just need to be in prayer. Lord, what do you want me to say? Um, so I was in my shop. I was cleaning and um, organizing tools with my WD-40 and spraying and polishing. And, and the Lord asked me a question. And he says, and he said, is faith required for a miracle to happen? And I thought, well, Yeah right? You have to have faith for a miracle to happen, don't you? And then he says, well, what happens if, if the miracle doesn't happen? What happens? I, I had faith that a miracle would happen, but it didn't happen. So was it my lack of faith? What, what is it about faith that causes miracles? Or does faith cause miracles? And, and as I'm in my office cleaning and and thinking about this and and just talking to the lord and and praying it just came upon me you got to go study faith you, you got to go go do it right now so i did um i stopped my cleaning by that time levi was waking up it was about four uh levi was waking up he was about to get his snack so i i finished my cleaning uh, or cleaned up a little bit from my cleaning and then went into the house. We got Levi ready and I just sat in front of my computer and I just started what you see in front of you today, this morning, uh, which is about faith. And it comes, it comes from this question of, is faith required for a miracle to happen? Let's read Mark chapter 11 real quick. Because this is, this is one that we hold on to, I think, dearly. And, and I think this, this scripture trips people up sometimes. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whatsoever or whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed and be thou cast to the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe or have faith that you receive them and you shall have them. How many times have we prayed in faith that something was that something should happen and it doesn't happen? How many times? I, I know I've prayed that way. Lord, I'm I'm dealing with this pain in the back or pain in my foot right now. Um and I, I pray and I have faith believing that you're gonna heal it in the name of Jesus. And we pray in faith, and we say these things in faith, believing that Jesus can heal, and it doesn't happen. So what is this scripture really, really talking about? Because I, I believe the Bible 100%, so there's a reason it's saying this, right? What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So faith is, this is what it is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I went through deep dive into that scripture right there because that's the one thing that came to me in my shop that's the scripture that started all this faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so rather than go through that entire study with you because this is different uh, i'm just gonna i'm gonna tell you what my conclusion of that study was and it's written there right below it faith is the confidence in the hope of salvation and it is the proof of what is not seen. That's what it, it, this translates into in more, maybe more modern English. Faith is the confidence that we have in the hope of salvation. It is the proof, the proof of what is unseen. Faith is the proof. I remember loving geometry in high school. Uh, he was a good teacher. I, I don't, I, he was a good teacher. I, I liked him, but it, it's not like he was, had such great teaching abilities that he made my class enjoyable. I just loved the subject. I think what I love this, what I love most about the subject of geometry is the puzzle that in, is involved with geometry. Uh, when you get to that level of math, usually around your sophomore year, um, you know some of the foundations of mathematics. And, and geometry is the study of mathematics within shapes, circles, squares, rectangles, etc. And so you learn a lot about angles, and you start learning rules about those angles. And, and one of the things I loved about that class was the, the solving of puzzles, because really geometry is all about proofs. You have to prove that what this thing is doing uh, is doing. You have to prove it. And so you go through all the calculations and all the mathematics and the equations to prove that A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's really what geometry is all about. And I loved that about it. I loved proving things in, in mathematics because it, it helped me to refine my mathematics. It helped me to learn more about these numbers and how they worked. And that's really where this word comes from. It's proof, right? You prove, you show your work, and this is how you know that it's doing that. How do you prove the unseen? Through faith is what it says. When you have faith, you are the proof of that unseen thing. So we're going to dive deep into faith and what it really is. 
And I want to start with this because we've been on this Hebrew, well, at least I have anyway. We've been on this Hebrew kick for, for a few months now. So I wanted to provide this, but, but let me be clear. I'm not providing any Old Testament scriptures in this handout, just so you know. We're, we're going to talk about all Greek stuff. In fact, I won't even bring up the Greek because we're only talking about one word, and that's faith, which is pistis. Uh, Mark Burke mentioned it this morning. But I want to show you in the Hebrew a little bit about what it's talking about. So you've got the Strong's number there. It's the word iman. It's pronounced amon. Um, that, that first character is the aleph. It means strength or leader. The second one is mem, which is talking about chaos or, or mightiness and disorder. Wal, which is the establishment, the securing of something. And then the nun, the, the life, the activity, or the action. So again, I wrote it down for you there. Strength and establishment amid disorder which brings life. That's how this word is, is translated. Strength and establishment amidst chaos. When you, when you think about faith, the word faith, it's talking about having a, a strength being established, even though there's chaos around you. And because of that establishment, there's ability to grow and to expand and to have life. That's how the Old Testament saw faith. So I'm going to answer this question that I asked at the beginning. We're going to start with a couple of scriptures that talk about faithless miracles. We'll start in Mark chapter 4, verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now... Full. Now, real quick, we know we're talking about Jesus, right? Everybody knows we're talking about Jesus. Jesus and his disciples are on this boat. They're going off into the sea, and, and the waves are coming. The, the, the weather has changed, and it's beginning to crash upon them. In verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Obviously, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question because I don't want you to shout it out to me. But I'm going to ask you, where's the faith? He just performed a miracle. Let's be clear about that, right? The weather changed. Where's the faith that, that caused the miracle? They're on a boat, and the, wind, the, the, the sea was calm enough for them to launch off from the dock, right? They've, they've just done something. They've gone through stuff. They've been talking and preaching and teaching. They get on this boat. Jesus says, guys, I'm tired. I'm going to go rest for a little bit. So he goes to the back of the boat, probably a pretty large boat, goes to the back of the boat, and he starts to take a nap. He's got a pillow under his head, and he's just there, and he's sleeping. He's sleeping through this storm like Levi. Levi can sleep through a storm. But he's there, and he's just sleeping. There's noise being made. The girls are doing cartwheels in the living room. The TV is on. People are clanging dishes, trying to wash dishes in the kitchen. He's asleep. He's out like a light. And the wind 
is bashing and the, the boat is rocking and all of this chaos and turmoil, turmoil is happening and the, the, the disciples say to themselves, what? It's in here. What do they say? We are going to die. It was so bleak that they thought they were going to die. We are going to die, they said. No faith whatsoever. Jesus, don't you care that you are about to die, that we are about to perish? No faith. It wasn't, there's no, no one person here who said, hey, guys, wait, it's, it's going to be okay. Jesus is with us, and there's no way that Jesus is going to die, right? He'll, he's going to save us, right? He's, he's the son of God. He's going to protect us, right? Not one. We are going to perish. Jesus, don't you care about our lives? And Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind, tells the sea to calm down, and he said, not one of you, not one of you had faith, but he did a miracle anyway. So therefore, faith is not required for the miracle. Let's look. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And he went out from thence, and he came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Isn't this that carpenter, the, the son of Mary, right? He's the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon. Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own people, and in his own house. And he could do there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. He marveled because of their lack of faith. So we know, we know there was no faith in this village. Right? Everybody agree with me on that? There was no faith. He's walking around. He's teaching these people. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. We don't believe in you. You're, you're Mary's son. I used to see you running around with little kids. You're nobody. So he's walking around. He's teaching. He's talking to these people. There's no faith in the place. But let's be clear about something. Right here, where is it? Verse 5, he could do no mighty works, but he did lay hands, on upon, a, lay hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Wouldn't you call healing a miracle, right? No faith. Thank you, brother. No faith, but there were miracles. So faith is not required for miracles. We see this. It's very clear in here. So what is faith? We have to understand this about what, what Jesus is going through. Because you could, you could argue, and I wouldn't argue against you, right? Well, the people that God healed, those are the ones that had faith. Okay, I'll, I, I could submit to that. 
the people that were willing to listen to Jesus, the ones that were, that were sick and saying, look, I'm on my last leg, I'll do whatever he wants. They're the ones that had faith and Jesus was able to heal them. But, but recognize that even though there was an abundance of unbelief, Jesus was not able to do anything in that place. And really what this is talking about is there was no substance. We used that word earlier. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That did not exist in this place. John chapter 6, and when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish. I underline this because I want you to recognize it, but what are they among so many? No faith. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was so much grass, there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as many as they would, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above, over and above, unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that a prophet that should come into the world. Someone show me the faithful person in this story. Where's the faith? I can clearly show you the miracle, right? I can show you the miracle. It's hard to find the faith. Again, you could argue that the little boy had faith. Hey, I'll share my lunch with you all because I know Jesus can do something with it, and so, hey, I'm willing to give it up. We could, yeah, we could say his little bitty faith maybe caused all this miracle. But from the disciples, what are we getting? Hey, look, there's a little boy here. He said he's got some fish. He's got some loaves. But that's not going to do anything, Jesus. There's, there's no way that this is going to feed all of these people. 5,000 men in attendance, not counting the women and the children. 5,000. So obviously way more than that. And Jesus says, look, just make them sit down. Kelly was telling me about a, a colleague of hers who, when, when discussing this particular story, said that, it, that there were, as, as he was studying it, um, the miracle was not in what Jesus did, but in what the people did. That they, there was no multiplication of the fish. That what happened was that as Jesus called and said, hey, we're going to sit down and eat, that people would go, most likely the women and the children would go to their homes and bring back food for the, for the husbands and the men. And they brought so much food back that everybody got to eat and there was so much left over. That's, that's how they, this colleague, understood the story. And, and he said, so the miracle here is that community was brought into play, and this community brought forth um, 
sustenance. Does that make sense? Sustenance. That it wasn't really about Jesus doing, quote unquote, a miracle. It was that these people got together. And, and that is the way that the world sees miracles, especially in the Bible. That's, that's the way they see it. I, I saw a documentary long time ago about Moses. Many probably have heard of this, where they scientifically showed that the way the tides were working at the time of the parting of the Red Sea, that um, the tides happened to be moving out at, at that specific juncture. And so when Moses came to the Red Sea, there was water. He put his staff down. And then by coincidence at that time, scientifically, those tides receded. They were able to walk across. And then because of the timing of them walking and, and then the uh, Egyptians following, that the tides came back. And that's what killed the Egyptians, right? It's just, it was a coincidence, a scientific coincidence that it happened this way. And, and they showed how it's happened in other areas where tides have receded and come back and you can walk on dry land because of the tides, because of the tides. We, we like to dismiss, I, I say we, uh, humanity likes to dismiss the miracle because they don't believe in, in the supernatural. And I understand that. Uh, I understand wanting to have an explanation for things. I understand the, the scientific method and, and wanting to see how it worked. But I don't dismiss that it's God that's actually doing these things. And so when I look at this story, I don't, I don't see anybody running off to go get food. I see men sitting down. I see Jesus giving thanks. I see him giving. I've, I've preached on this before because I love this story. I see him giving it to the disciples and the disciples handing over food to the people around them, right, one by one. I, I also can imagine a man sitting there, probably not having eaten for a long time, and being hungry and maybe being a little selfish and, and saying to the disciple, hey, a little bit more, please. You ever been at the line at, at, the, at the buffet? They, they put a scoop of food and, hey, can, just a little bit more, please, right? Or you, when you go to Subway and they're making your sandwich, and you're like, I want this, this, and maybe some black olives. And they, they, they put like two or three black olives. And you're like, come on. But you're like, okay, like, hey, a little bit more. Can I, can I have some more black olives, please? So they put on more black olives. So I, I imagine there was probably a person or two there that was like, can I, can I have another piece of bread? Can I have a little bit more fish? And, and the disciples, yeah, sure, why not? I, I don't know if we're going to have enough for everybody anyway, right? I don't know, so Sure. Then maybe I can go back and sit down and say, hey, Jesus, we're out. And he'll know that we're out and we'll see what else he's going to do. So, yeah, here, have another fish. Yeah, you can have another fish too. Yeah, sure. I, I only have three. Well, actually, I have four fish. There's like six fish in here. And as they're handing them out, more fish, more bread. And at some point in time, the disciples who had no faith, did you read that as well? No faith. The disciples who had no faith started to grow in faith because they're the ones handing out this bread. They're the ones handing out these fish. And all of a sudden, they get to a place where they're like, there's more food in here than there was at the beginning when I started this whole thing. 
And there's John. He's got food in his basket. And there's Peter, and he's got food in his basket. There's food all over the place. Where is this thing coming from? And what happened to their faith? It went from zero to hero at that point in time. I just like to play on words. It increased. It increased. So faith isn't what you see. Hear me on this. Tweet it out if you want. Faith isn't what you see, but how you see it. That's faith. Not in what's happening in front of you, but how you, how you explore what God is doing in your mind. We don't walk around and, with this limp and say, I'm going to go through this pain until God heals me. You say, I'm going to walk with this pain because God is doing something. Amen? God is doing something. That's faith. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the healing. It's about what God is doing in you. I, I've had kidney stones. I've, I've told you about my kidney stones, right? I've had kidney stones. And, and when I had my first one, I thought I was dying. I told you this story. I'm not going to tell it again. But I thought I was dying. And what changed in me beyond faith and, and all these things that I've talked about in the past, what changed in me is I started drinking more water, right? That's what my dad told me to do. It's what the doctor told me to do. It's what my wife told me to do. Drink more water. And I didn't listen to any of them because I liked my sodas. I love me a good Coke. Brother Scott likes Dr. Pepper. I like Coke. And I love sugary drinks. My wife will attest to this. I love Sugary drinks, the Hawaiian punch, the sunny delight. It's not orange juice, it's sunny delight. Love myself some sugary drinks. And so I, I got these stones, and, and what changed in me, again, beyond faith and all those things that I talked about, is I started drinking more water. And, and I wonder if, if the Lord allowed me to go through that to say, hey, you need to be drinking more water for your overall health. Forget the stones. For your overall health, you need to be more mindful about what you're putting into your body. And, and a big part of that was cutting out the sugary drinks. Now, I'm not, I, I still drink sugary drinks. If we go out to eat, I'll normally order a water. I'll say, yeah, just give me a water. I used to order a Coke by Coke and sweet tea or whatever you want to call it, maybe even a Sprite because I thought, hey, it doesn't have as much uh, caffeine or, or sugar in it. It does. Don't lie. It, it does. It's just as bad. But I started drinking more water. So now when we go out to eat, I drink water. And, and I, I'm not saying that's the only reason that I had kidney stones or that, that the Lord allowed me to get kidney stones. But I see it now, not in what it was, but in what God was doing within me. And he allowed me to go through this pain and, and healed me of it, I would say, to see to see him through this journey because faith isn't about what we see but at how we see it let's look at matthew chapter 8 when jesus was entered into capernaum there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying lord my servant lies at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented and jesus said unto him look i'll come by your house and heal him and the centurion answered, said no 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 i'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but just just say the word and my servant shall be healed. Because I get it. 
I understand authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this guy, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, as the, because of the way that you believed, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. This was a faithful person. And you could say, because of his faith, there was a miracle. You could say that. I wouldn't argue with you, but I'd, I'd ask for you to look at it from a different perspective. He knew how God was going to do something. He knew that God wanted to do something. All he needed to do was activate it. And so he said, look, just don't, you don't even have to come. You just say, yes, that is my desire. God's will will be done through this. That's all I need to hear from you, Jesus. Do I have your permission to continue forward? And Jesus said, now that is faith. Just understanding that it's God's will or not God's will for this man to be healed. And he said, because of that, yes, your servant is healed right now. I don't have to come and touch him. You don't have to say any magic words over him. We're not going to lay hands. He is healed right now. And the centurion said, that's all I needed. Lord, I needed your permission because I knew you were doing something either in him or in me. I just needed to know which one it was. Matthew chapter 9. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy lying on, be on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven thee. I've, I've talked about this story a lot. I mean, we, we read this story, another great story. They... they cut a hole in the roof in a, in a different uh, gospel. It talks about how they cut a hole in the roof. They lowered him down. He just wanted to be near Jesus. We talked about how he gets healed um, after his sins are forgiven. How if it were me and Jesus said, hey, great faith, buddy, your sins are forgiven. I would have been like, great, now let's do this healing thing. And, and that's not what happens, right? He says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody starts to murmur and complain. You can't say that. You can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. You can't say that. And Jesus said, well, let me show you what that means. Just so you know that the power, that the son has the power to forgive, I'm going to make him walk. Because which one do you think is harder, for me to just say something or for him to do something? For him to do something, right? So well, let's do this. Get up off your booty and start walking. I don't think he said booty. But he did say get up and start walking. Didn't he? Yes. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Which one is easier? To say thy sins be forgiven or to say arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he looked to the man that was sick of the palsy. Arise, take up your booty and go into the house. Oh, bed. They both start with B. Arise, take up your bed, and go into the house. And he arose and departed to his house. What was his faith about? Do you think this man wanted to be healed? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. He wanted to be healed. 
But his faith wasn't about, I'm going to go to Jesus and he's going to heal me. His faith was about, I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to be in the presence of God. And I've got to get as close to God as I can possibly get. That's what my faith is about. And Jesus said, because of your faith, all your sins are forgiven. I wonder, because it wouldn't have been me, but I wonder if this man was relieved. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me into your kingdom, for forgiving me for all the things that I have done. Thank you. And then they started to murmur. And he said, you know what? As a bonus, I am going to heal you just so these people will just shut up. I am going to heal you to prove to them that the Son of God is here and he heals him. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Matthew likes the short version. They're the longer versions in Luke. This is the short version. And he touched the hem of his garment, for he said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Did she want healing? Yes, she wanted healing. She wanted to touch his garment and said, if I just get close enough to him, I can touch him and I will be healed. So all I need to do is just get close to him. And he said, that's the kind of faith I want, where you're coming close to me, come close to me, and you'll get what your body needs. This one, in this instance, it was about the dunamis. The Bible uses that word. Dunamis has left me, he says. Virtue has left me, and it flowed into her because of her faith. Luke chapter 17, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. This is good right here. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, sycamore, but sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. That's what that tro word means. I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Where did, where did we start? Lord, increase our faith. And so Jesus then goes off and tells this story about a servant, a servant obeying his master. What a weird context. I had to sit down and really study this part because this is kind of weird. Lord, make me a more faithful person. And, and I'm going to just, I'm going to oversimplify it for you, okay? Disciple says, Lord, make me a more faithful person. What did Jesus say? Well, be obedient, gross oversimplification of what Jesus said, but that's what he said. If you want to increase your faith, be an obedient servant. That's what he says. You read it, you studied it, because I spent at least an hour on just this passage alone. Read it. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So I, here's where else I went. Uh, I went down the rabbit trail of the mustard seed and the sycamore seed or the sycamore tree. We're going we're gonna to read a little bit more about the mustard here down below, um, but I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of hints about it or, or clues. 
Scott did a, a great study on, on the mustard seed a long, long time ago in Sunday school. If you've got an opportunity, listen to it. Um, I, I don't remember what he said, so everything, nothing ha- the, that I'm going to say has to do with what he said, but go listen to it. It was good. So the, the mustard seed, um, according to the Bible, is, is one of the smallest seeds out there, right? I went into some forums, and people were arguing, well, the orchid seed is much smaller. It's the smallest, smallest of seeds, the orchid a seed. It's even smaller than a mustard seed. So is the Bible lying? And then you go down, you can scroll through, and I didn't. But they started, you know, talking about how the orchid seed is smaller, and then people would argue against it, saying, well, he wasn't, if there weren't orchids back then in Israel. Orchids were are from China. And these people were not in China. They were in Israel. So they were using the vernacular of the time where they were like, you know, they're not going to talk about a car. They're not going to talk about a plane because that wasn't back then, right? We're talking about what we know and see here in our area, which happened to be the mustard seed. It's a very small seed. It's tiny. And he said, so we can't compare it to an orchid. That's just dumb. But what it says here is that there's a a mustard seed, and it's tiny. And and when you plant it, um, it it is a, how do I say this? It is a water-seeking plant. Now, all plants seek water, right? But the way that the mustard seed looks for water is, is very unique as it, it will continue to expand and grow despite having a lack of water to do such things. It will expand and grow until it finds water. And then it will focus all of its energy in continuing that water that's there or continuing with that water that's there. So if you plant a mustard seed near uh, a cistern, for example, it will destroy that cistern looking for that water because there's water in that cistern. If, if you plant a mustard seed and just continue to water it, it will go straight down as it continues to absorb all of that water. It's a water-seeking plant. The sycamore tree, by contrast, was, is a deciduous tree, uh, which, which basically means that it dies every season, right? It, it grows it has its flowering time, and then like we see around here, right, it, its leaves just fall, and all you see are bare branches. Uh, so this sycamore tree loses all of its leaves, bare branches, and then they come back to life, you know, seasonally. The, the mustard seed does not do that. Because it's a water-seeking plant and can live without water for a little while as it does this work, it will continue to grow. It's, a, it's an evergreen-type tree or shrub. And so this, this mustard seed is very different from the sycamore tree, and, and I believe that God or Jesus was saying something very specific in using these two trees. The mustard seed is one that seeks after the spirit, the water, the life. It seeks after that, and that's how it grows, and that's how it grows so large, because it continues, it continues that seeking after the Lord, that seeking after water, that's seeking after sustenance, and that's what makes it the largest, one of the largest shrubs in its environment. That's the story that Jesus was trying to tell these people. And he said the sycamore tree, if you had the faith of something like the mustard seed, you could tell the sycamore tree, hey, get out of here. Why the sycamore tree? Well, the sycamore tree was not native to this part of, the, uh, of the, the land, the area, the country. It was not native to that country, period. And so what happened was somehow somebody brought a sycamore plant or, or, or cutting or something 
into the land of, of Israel, into Jerusalem, and, and they were planting them in different places because the sycamore tree has figs. We all know about figs, right? But the sycamore tree has figs, and the other thing that it has is beautiful, large branches. And they were transplanted from different areas, mostly in Iran, into Jerusalem, and, and they were brought because they were so beautiful. They were so big. You remember the story of uh, a particular gentleman who sees Jesus coming, and what does he do? He climbs a sycamore tree, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamore tree to see what he could see. You remember that song? So he climbs up because the sycamore tree was just, it was big and branchy. And you could climb up there, and you could sit comfortably. The, the branches were thick. You could climb up there, but it was not native to the land. And Jesus was talking about, look, if you had faith, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this, this interloper, get out of here and, and go plant yourself into the sea. Go get your water somewhere else because this is our land. This is what we're doing here in this place. And then he goes into this thing about the servant. And he says, really what faith is all about is you seeking after me. You seek after my face. You seek after not, not the, the benefits of, of mastership. Read the story. It's, it's not about you saying, the master saying, hey, now's your time. Let's get you some of them riches. Let's, let's, let's get this calf and let's, let's cut it up and cook it for you. You deserve the best, my servant. Come sit down. I'm going to feed you a meal today. He said, no, 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 no. You are a servant. And, and as you serve, don't think of yourself as a useless. That's that last sentence there, unprofitable servant. Don't think of yourself as a useless servant because you're not getting all the stuff that you think you should be getting. Instead, you serve with obedience because that's what I've asked you to do. That's what a servant does is they serve. And when you're in your place, that's what faith is all about. Being in the place where you're supposed to be and not expecting the miracle, not expecting the meat, not expecting the healing, but being where God has asked you to be. It, it's, a, it's a long roundabout way. Too long didn't read to say that faith isn't about what you see, but how you see it. Mark chapter 4. And he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Oh, here it is. Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is smaller than all the other seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Having grown down and out, its branches grow up and out, and they're able to receive the fullness of what God is providing to them. Excuse me. All right, we're almost done. Obedience and faith. John chapter 2, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. He said it just like that too. Woman, his mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. Do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. 
And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast, you know the rest, right? He said, Wow, this is the best wine I've ever had. I'm, I'm skipping through because we're running out of time. But, but think about the story. So Jesus is there. His mom said, we're out of wine. Or, or maybe they even never haven't had wine to begin with. Maybe that's a poor, a poor group, and they're like, we don't have wine. Jesus, do something about it. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do about it? You go do something about it. He says, what, what do I have to do now? My time has not yet come. And, and I love the audacity, the sass of this woman, where she stops talking to Jesus, and she turns to the servants, and she says, look, whatever he says, just do it. And then she walks away. Jesus, I'm done talking to you. You're just going to do what I've asked you to do. Guys, take care of this. And so Jesus turns to the, to the servants, to the servants. And he says, okay, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill those six pots, seven pots of water, fill them to the brim with water. And then when you're done doing that, you're going to go serve it to the governor. And as a servant who will be reprimanded by the governor for giving him water, I would think, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to give the governor um, just some dirty old water, right? That's what I would think. But no, this servant was like, hey, sure, why not? I'm going to go fill that thing up. I don't know if they, I can't tell you. I don't know if they had faith in Jesus. I don't know if they knew Jesus. I don't know if they were worried that the mother was going to get onto them. I don't know. But they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they, they stopped what they were doing. They, they got water buckets and began to fill these pots with water to the brim. And then he said, go serve that water to the governor. I don't know when it happened. But at some point in time, between the, the commandment of go fill it with water and, and give it to him, that water turned into wine. I don't know when. I would love for it to have been, he dips it in, he looks at it, and it's just water, and he's like, oh my gosh, here we go. And he walks over, and he puts it in front of the governor, and he closes his eyes, and he walks away, and the, and the governor starts drinking wine. It's the best wine he's ever had. That's, that's how what I would have loved, but I don't know. Or, or maybe it didn't happen that way. Maybe the guy comes over, and he dips in there, and he pulls out, and it's red. And he's like, oh my goodness, look at this. What? And then he gives it to the governor. That, that's another way it could have gone. I don't know. I wasn't there. But what we see here is obedience. Faith, maybe. Maybe. Maybe faith from the mother. Maybe faith from the, the servants. Maybe. But for sure, what we see is obedience. We see the servant obeying, we see the servant serving, and we see the miracle happening. Do you need faith for the miracle to happen? No, but you do need obedience. You do need obedience. Luke chapter 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. What, what's converted mean? He was already, we think about conversion, stop, stop being this and be a Christian or something, right? Convert from Catholicism to Christianity or, or whatever. We think of it that way, or at least I do. I've prayed for thee that you fail not, but when you are converted, when your mindset, look in the word, 
when your mindset has changed, strengthen your brethren. When you stop, stop thinking about the, the what and start thinking about the how, when that has changed or flipped, strengthen your brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you right now. And he said, no, because you're thinking about it from an action perspective and not a heart one. And that's what I need, Simon, is your heart. Not, not you fighting, not you going out there and thinking, well, this is what God is going to do, but how God is going to do it. That's what he wanted from him. Last one, Philemon. Chapter 1, verse 4. I thank God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith, which that thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of your faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. This is beautiful. Because faith doesn't produce the miracle. It identifies it. Ooh, tweet that one. It doesn't produce it. It identifies it. Look what God is doing in my life. I have pain here and here and here and here. My finances are a shamble and all this stuff is going on. The enemy's coming against me, but God is in control. That is faith. That is faith. Not what he's doing, but how he's doing it. He's doing something in me and he's doing something in you. And if we're obedient, we're going to see that come to fruition. We're going to see the miracles that God displays out there for us to see. And then this last scripture, we're going to acknowledge, acknowledge. Sandra, those people didn't want to acknowledge that it was God, did they? Oh, it just passed. It scientifically happens. You know, we've seen many cases of this happening. Yeah, there's, there's no way for us to tell what really happened, but, but we just, your body just kind of figured it out and it passed this thing and you're going to be okay. No, 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 no. God did it. I don't know how he did it, but I know he did it. And I know he's doing it in you. Don't look at the what of the miracle. Look at what God is doing in you. That's the faith that God wants from you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are healing Monica, that you're healing Pastor, that you're healing those in this house that, that are in pain in some way or another. Lord, we continue to pray for, for Nathan and for Sandra and for anybody else who's out there that's dealing with something bodily. Lord, we, we look forward to your healing, but more importantly, Lord, we, we look forward to what you are doing through what we're dealing with. We look forward to growing and expanding and seeking your spirit, seeking your life in order for our, our faith to increase. We look forward to being obedient to you, Father, in every single way that you have defined for us. We thank you that you are moving. And Lord, we open our eyes now to see the miracles. As large or, or medium, as small as we might think they are, we will be looking for them because you are doing something. We will acknowledge them in our hearts, and we will acknowledge them with our mouths. We love you, and we thank you. You are doing something in this place. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Continue to pray in faith-believing. God is moving in your life. Amen.